Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Living with no regrets is not just a saying, but it's a reality that uh, you can experience in your own life. It's, you know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Many times we put up with things because we don't know we can live without them. We don't realize that we can put our foot down and we can have more and do better in our lives. Authorities like that. Authority may be yours, but it's not going to be experienced until you enforce it. The Bible says, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It didn't say heaven will come bind it for you. It says you cast out devils. You're going to do the casting out. You stand and you receive. You pray. And so it's the same with the things in your soul. Uh, you don't have to put up with hurt and, and mourning. And once you get light on that, once you see what the Word says on it, you can resist these things and God will... He'll literally replace that with joy and with confidence. And you can, you can have memories of these things, but they don't have to hurt you. Does that make sense? And that's, that's what we constantly try to reinforce in people is that God's not going to erase your memory, but He can take the pain out of it so that you can live free from it. The enemy will love to hold you hostage to your bad and your worst memories, your worst experiences. Some people identify with those things to the point that they can't see beyond them. They're totally, uh, they're totally identify with, with, with their failures, their tragedies, their past, their success. My wife said the first few years after her husband died, she would introduce herself as, Hi, I'm Carol, I'm a widow. I mean, that was what was on her mind, and that's how she identified herself. And the Lord had to work in her to bring her to that place where she got over that. And he can do the same for you. So uh, there are many areas, and, and we can, we're just going to take some examples, but there are many areas in your life that, that can cause regret. And, and I'll briefly talk about this one. Uh, because I have discussed this here before, but this area, the first one that I call, I call it missed opportunities. You know, what I could have done or should have done or would have done. Did you know the enemy can get you focused on that until you can't see forward? In fact, it can become an escape where you don't even try anymore because you think you've missed your greatest opportunities in life. You missed the, the, the best or God's best plan for you and there's no going back. Well, there may be no going back, but that doesn't mean that you can't do what God put you on this earth to do. If you'll allow God to do it, He'll make more out of your future than you could make out of your past. Besides that, all of us have missed opportunities. None of us have done everything right in our lives. We all have things that we could have done differently. The fact is, if you had a chance to go live your life over again, you'd find new ways to mess it up. Why? Because we're human and we can't get it right in this state. That's why Jesus had to come and live and die for us so that we could get it over ourselves and over our own mistakes. And if his life, death, burial, and resurrection means anything, then it means something to you. And if it made a difference in life, then it made a difference in your life. You can apply it to your own past and you can enjoy the fruit of what he did for you. We do not have to look back with sadness or regret. Hallelujah. So I, 
you know, <clears throat> there, the scripture I use for this one is Joel 2.25. I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army. He said he can restore years. Only God can do that, but he can do more with your future than you could do with your past. The enemy wants you constantly looking back, thinking, what if I'd have done this, or what if I'd have done that? And God's not an angry father saying, I told you, you know, that just serves you right for all you've done. The Bible says in Psalm 103 that he, as a father, pities his children. Verse 13, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. God wants to help you go forward. And we are, we are really entering into a new season in this world and God needs a church that's not looking backward. He needs a church that's ready to go forward. He wants to breathe a fresh wind of the Spirit into your life so that you can look forward with, with expectancy. He wants to put a spring back in your step. He wants to give you a new zeal for life. He wants you to have a freshness about you, not a staleness attached to the past. We're never going to go back there. We're never going to do that again. We're not going to go through that again. There are new days. It's a new generation, and we may not like it at all. We may, there are things about this generation that irritate me. There are things about it that just rub me the wrong way, but this is the generation we live in, so let's just make the most of it and go forward. And I could give you a long list of characteristics of millennials, but that wouldn't do any of us any good, would it? We all know what we're dealing with. And they could probably give you a long list about us and what, what they're dealing with with us. The truth of the matter is, we've got to go forward. You've got one life to live, and it's time to live it. And it's time to live it for God, and it's time to let go of the past and the strings that attach you to the past. Get free from it so you can move forward and do the will of God while there's time. Amen. You know, people say, well, God's the God of the second chance. And he is. He's the God of the second chance, the third chance. But he can't do a thing if you disqualify yourself. You've got to give him a second chance, you know, to use you. He's not disgusted with you. He's not wringing his hands over you. He's not angry with you. God wants to help you. He wants to move you forward. He wants to help you live the life you were born to live. Isn't that good news? And he's not concerned with how many things that you did wrong or how many things you could have done. You know, God is not looking back going, I want, you know, what would have happened if I had just gotten this done or gotten that? God doesn't think that way. He's always in the now. Hallelujah. You have a future and a hope. Another area that we cover quite extensively in our book is past sins. And you, you really, all of us Christians need to understand the doctrine of forgiveness. God was serious about forgiveness. He provided forgiveness. He wants you to accept forgiveness and understand forgiveness. And He wants you to give forgiveness to others. But the doctrine of forgiveness, very important. If you've done things in your past that you're ashamed of, that you wish hadn't happened, that's, that's a, you're, you're just like everybody else. You've got to let those things go. 
And some people are able to let go of the little ones, but they can't let go of the big ones. And some people can let go of the big ones, they can't let go of the little ones. And some people can let go of the things that happened before they got saved, but they can't deal with the things that happened after they got saved. But Jesus forgave you of all of them. He didn't make any distinction. He's cleansed you and forgiven you and washed your sins away. And they are washed away. They're forgiven. And you can go on and do the will of God in your life. You can allow Him to wipe away every tear from your eye. And you can be happy again. I think it's just a great testimony to the God we serve today when the children of God get happy. They're just happy. It's a crazy world we live in. We ought to be part of the answer and not part of the problem. The enemy, he wants you to be looking back and he wants you to be mad at somebody and he wants somebody to be mad at you. He wants everybody to, 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 to take up sides and, and fight. We don't have to get into that. We can live above that. Our messages and, and our, our, the offer that God has made is to everyone. We need to view everyone as our, as our goal, our target. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there's so many forgiveness scriptures. Let me give you this one. Daniel 11.35. This is so encouraging. It says, And some of those of understanding shall fall. That means they knew better and they made mistakes. But what will happen when they serve God? When you allow God to work in your life? Some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, to purify them, and make them white until the time of the end because it's still for an appointed time. That's one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible for people that have made mistakes. You may have had understanding and you've made mistakes, but guess what? God, instead of, you know, we look at our mistakes and think that disqualified me, but God says here, I'll use your mistakes to refine you to purify you, and to make you white. Your mistakes qualify you when, it's, when God's in, in the equation. You become, you know, vaccinated. <laughs> like I was when I was six years old and I smoked that cigarette. It was a mistake. But I'll tell you one thing, I didn't do it again. It cured me. There are things in your life that you look at and you think, how could I be so stupid? But, you know, and it wasn't right. And I'm not excusing anything, but here's where we are. We have things in our life. Jesus forgave you. You learned something. And God's willing to forget it and help you go forward. Will you let him? Amen. Well, if God will forget it, I can forget it. I don't know why we're so, we're so stubborn when it comes to releasing Guilt and shame, just let it go. Why don't you let it go? Jesus has forgiven you. He died for you. God has declared you righteous. Why are you bringing it up? Man, that'd be like going to court and having a trial and paying for attorneys and they, and they have the whole trial and you're on trial and they go, acquitted, he's innocent. And you go, yes, but. I mean, I really did have some guilt. I don't want to go to prison, but I just want to tell you just get out of the courtroom. You're free now to go on with your life. Quit, quit squabbling. Just go. Enjoy your, your righteousness, your forgiveness. Hallelujah.
All right, let's move on. I wanted to get to this part. And this is the issue of uh, broken relationships. And I've got a scripture here in uh, Romans 12, 18. It says, Paul said, If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That scripture says a lot. Paul is the apostle that wrote most of the epistles. Do you know the difference between an epistle and an apostle? <laughs> the epistles are the letters written to the churches. So he wrote the letters. You read them. Ephesians, Colossians, Romans, Thessalonians, Timothy. Paul's the one that said, all things are possible. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We can do all things through Christ. And then when it comes to relationships, he says, if it's possible... Wow, he'd never been so meek in his delivery as when he starts talking about relationships. Why? Because it's not always possible. So, well, God can do anything. Yeah, but he won't override somebody else's will, and neither can you. So there are going to be situations when it comes to dealing with people where it's not possible to be fixed. And nobody's ever told you that. And it doesn't matter. Why? Because we got one life to live. We can't spend our life looking back at a broken relationship, grieving over it, trying to fix it, wishing it hadn't happened. We don't have that much time and emotion to waste. You've got to move on. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that before, but I believe it's important to be said. Well, you don't sound very nice. No. I, 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 we, we need to do our best to be good friends, to be good employees, employers, and have good relations. The truth is, it's just going to, some of them are going to go south. They're going to go sour. And there's nothing Many times, not all of them, but many times there's nothing you can do to fix it. And you've got you've to identify those and say, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put a, an X on this one, and I'm going to move on. I'm just not going to. And that doesn't mean the person's bad or evil or you're cursing them or anything. You're just saying, this one's over. I, I've got to move on. Realize these things about relationships. Number one, not every relationship you have will last a lifetime. You say, well, why? I don't know. I don't know. But they don't all last a lifetime. But if you go into relationships thinking that it's your job to make this last a lifetime, you're putting way too much pressure on yourself and possibly the other person and not allowing it to just grow and develop and go where it needs to go. There are some people that will be friends for some time. Now, <laughs> now I'm not telling you if you don't like your husband or wife that you know, this is not about that. Um, but I would say if you've had a, a situation where you've had a divorce and you've gone separate ways and you're, there's no reconciliation, you need to apply this to your heart. You don't need to hurt over something for the rest of your life, especially if you can't do anything about it. And you say, well, it was my fault. Well, 
what, so what are we going to, should we shoot you or should we beat you every day? What should we do now? Since it can't be fixed, you can't go undo it, you can't redo it. So what are we supposed to do with you? I don't, I'm not going to just let you beat yourself up for the rest of your life because you did something stupid. Shame on you, but let's get on with it. We need you. We need you back in the game. We need you in the body. We need you in the army. We don't need you looking back. Let's go forward. I'll give you this example because it's right there in the Bible, but Paul and Barnabas, they went on a missionary journey together, Acts 13. God spoke specifically and said, you know, send Barnabas... um, lay hands on Barnabas and Saul and set them apart for the ministry I've called them to and sent them out on Paul's first missionary journey and they went around planted churches and changed the world and they came back and Paul said let's go back and do it again and Barnabas said okay uh, but let's take John Mark and Paul said no we're not taking John Mark and Barnabas said well I want to take John Mark he said I don't care what you want we're not taking John Mark he went with us last time and he and he left he quit and I'm not taking a quitter he said well he's my nephew and if he don't go I don't go and he said well fine then you're not going because I'm not taking John Mark and so the Bible says the dissension was so sharp between them you know what that means they fought that Paul took Silas, Barnabas took Mark, and they all went their separate ways. They never teamed up again. I have read that, and I've looked at it, because I look at it from our 21st century touchy-feely perspective, and you go, whose fault was it? I mean, how could they do this? This is division. Oh, Where's the apostle of love when you need him? Where's John? You know, John, the, po- the, the, the love apostle. Why didn't John get in there and bring them together? Say, guys, sit down. You're, you were, God put you together for this worldwide ministry. Hug it out, man. Apologize. Forgive. Love. Whose fault is it? it? The Bible says they went their separate ways, period. It doesn't weigh in. It doesn't take sides. It just says, here's what happened, and we move on. Why? Because when stuff like that happens, we move on. We don't dig in, and we don't re- go through it all and wonder what if and why and what for and who could have done this or that. It's too late. We're adults. We, we're in the army. It's, too, it's not about feelings. Thank God when you die, your life is not measured a success or failure determined, b- dependent on how many friends you have. Well, I just don't have any friends. Well, nobody likes me. Maybe they don't. So? Maybe you're not very likable. What are we going to do with you? Beat you every day? Should we just shoot you? Should we put you in the corner and say you're not useful? No! Well, you got one life to live. Let's just get on with it. Well, if you get going to ministry, you've got to realize there are people that will run with you for a while and they'll be gone. There'll be people that will turn on you. There'll be other people that will show up and they'll run and they'll be gone. But, but so what? You big baby? I'm speaking to myself too. You've you got to deal with that and say, you know what? If life was, 
was meaningless enough to sit around and worry about who's friends with who's friends. That sounds like seventh grade. Do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe. Have we not moved on? We got a job to do. We got a God to serve. We got things to accomplish in this world that are bigger than that. I know somebody needed this. Some relationships are not supposed to last a lifetime. I know that's hard to believe. And some were supposed to, and they didn't. (laughs) Now what do you do? You got to move on. Your success is not defined by how many friends you have. You're not a failure because you failed in relationships in your past. Peter and Paul had a pretty stiff argument in Galatians 2. They, uh, Paul got all over Peter in public because he wasn't eating with the Jews once his people from Jerusalem came. And then Peter in 2 Peter 2.15 calls him our beloved brother Paul. Isn't that nice? As, if it's possible, as much as lies within your power, live peaceably with all men. If you can restore something, restore it. If you can make it right, make it right. Certainly you have to forgive no matter what they do. But we're going to move on. So number one, not every relationship is going to last a lifetime. Number two, let's just be honest. It hurts to lose friends. It hurts to lose friends. I'd preach this to ministers when I have the opportunity, but... I tell them, and it's true for everybody, you're not too good to be hurt. (laughs) Precious. I'm God's favorite. Yeah, you may be, but people are not going to know that. (laughs) Not everybody's going to agree with that. You're not too good to be hurt. You're going to be hurt. And when you get hurt, it's going to hurt. I mean, if I didn't tell you that, it'd be like telling a little child, a little baby, you know what? I brought you into this world, and as long as you live, you will never be bruised, you'll never be cut, you'll never experience any pain. Well, that's just a lie. It's true emotionally, too. You're going to experience pain. You're going to have instances that, that, that are not pleasant, and it's going to hurt. And if you just realize that, then you'll be better prepared for it. There, there are many casualties in a war, and, and really this is more like war. We're not on some Christian tour like, <laughs> we, we went on uh, a tour to Israel, and that's fun, isn't it? Me and George. You go in a big old tour bus, and it stops at these five-star restaurants, and you eat all you can eat, and it, and it goes to a five-star hotel. And after 10 days of that, you think, where are we going to be blessed next? And I think some people think that the Christian life is a tour, a Christian tour of planet Earth, and they get off the bus and they think, here I am, and somebody shoots at them, and they go, that wasn't very nice. And somebody curses them, and they go, how dare you? They're just not mentally prepared for what's happening. We're in a war. There are casualties. You just should be glad you aren't one. 
So you lost a friend. So you gave up something. So things didn't go right and you lost a relationship or lost some money or, or you had to leave this town or this church and whatever. We've got to learn how to get over these things. Let God heal us. Not hold a grudge. And if you're holding a grudge towards somebody who hurt you, you cannot do that. So how do I get over it? I'll tell you exactly how. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. And pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. Pray for them until all of that, that hurt is gone. It'll work. Well, I'm not going to pray for them. They did me wrong. Well, that's, what, that's what's wrong right there. All right, number three, always attempt to restore. You do your best to restore. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, but but um, especially if it's something you did, your fault. But let's just face it. Some relationships require a greater investment of emotional capital than you can afford. If you think you have to keep every friend you've ever made, you are going to wear yourself out and still people aren't going to be happy with you. And as painful as it is, I went through a time when I was really tired. I mean, I, got, I had severe fatigue. I'd, I'd traveled and I really did come to the end of my strength. And it took me a couple of years to get over it. But at that time, I had to reevaluate everything. And, you know, I realized my wife helped me because, you know, sometimes you just can't see things. And she said, you just need to cut some of these people out of your life. And I, <gasps> I grew up with them. She said, I don't care. They drain you. They, they're jealous of you. They pull on you. They, uh, they irritate you. Every time you talk to them, you come, you come away hurting and angry and agitated. So I cut them off. See what happened? I don't know. I, I don't, uh, nothing. I'm still alive. <laughs> Do you feel guilty? No. We'll fix it in heaven. Did you know you can fix things in heaven? This isn't it. This is just a time of greatest stress and demands on you. So you've got to travel light. We can get all these things fixed in heaven. I'm serious. We don't, we're not heavenly minded enough sometimes. You know, we'll get it worked out, but this is war. <laughs> sometimes people are so thin-skinned, they'd get offended if the sergeant said, Get down! Well, I don't like the way he said that. <laughs> well, there's a missile coming at your head. It's war. All right, enough of that. Number four, you need to write this one down. Get over it. Just get over it. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Praise God. You know, uh, I'm going to share this and then we'll talk a little bit about something else. And I'm trusting you to be able to apply this to any area of your life that you have sadness or regret or mourning or whatever 
in your past, you can apply these principles even if I don't bring up your particular situation. But um, I had this happen, and this was why it's so surprising to me. Uh, the most, one of the most surprising things that I realized as I walked out my Christian life was that you will have to give up relationships, even in the body of Christ, for whatever reason, and, and, and it doesn't always make sense. But <clears throat> So I was um, at a point in my life, and some very important relationships of mine were, were, we were parting ways, and it was very painful, and I prayed desperately, and I said, God, I want to I resolve it. I want to fix it. I want to restore it. Why, Lord? Why is this happening? I never thought that I would live life without these certain relationships in my life. Why? And, and I want to stop it. And I wouldn't be where I am today without it. I, I wouldn't be the person I am today without these relationships. And now they're going away and I don't like it and I don't, it's not right and I want to stop it. And the Lord dealt with me and showed me a, a space shuttle. And you should know that around here. He showed me a picture of a space shuttle that was lifting off into space. And it had the rocket boosters. Remember, the, they've decommissioned them now. But they had the rocket boosters and the rocket in the center. And then the space shuttle was mounted onto them. And, and he showed me that it went up to the upper atmosphere. And then at a certain point, when all the fuel was used up, they separated. And the rocket and the boosters went back down into the ocean, the tanks. And the shuttle went on into orbit. And he said, that's right. You would not be where you are today without them. But you can't get where you're going now with them. You have to let it go. It doesn't make it less, not any less painful or whatever, but some things have to be done. And when he, when he showed me that, I was more able to cope with it. And I said, all right, your will be done. Your will be done. Until that moment, I didn't realize that it was ever God's will for people to go separate ways. I thought we were all in this together. We're in the same stream. We stay together or else. But that's not necessarily the case. Does that help anybody? Yeah. All right. One of the most painful things you'll ever experience as a human is losing a loved one. I was uh, my grandfather. He was a good man. He uh, lived till he was 92, I believe, and and I was in. He grew up in the same town and lived there his whole life. He had a store. Everybody knew Peppa. And I was there with him, and he was in the nursing home by then. And we were driving around town, and we drove by the cemetery so for whatever reason. It's a small town, I guess. Hospital, funeral home, cemetery. <laughs> but anyway, no, they didn't have a hospital. They just buried him. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, we're driving by the cemetery, and he looked out there, and I was in my 30s probably, and he said, uh, he said, I got more friends in the cemetery than I do in town. And I said, what? That's not real positive. And, but I never forgot that. And I thought, you know, he's right. He knew more people in the cemetery than he knew in town. And that's the consequences of living a long time. You know, you don't want to be first. <laughs> and so, uh, but the, the, the truth is, these things are going to happen, and you're going to have to deal with it, and it's very painful, and, and, but there's no reason that you can't go on with your life. So I'm going to give you some, some, some reasons to allow Jesus to heal that hurt in your life 
first of all, realize this, and this is a very helpful principle. Death was not part of God's original plan. If you're ever separated from somebody that you love, you need to keep this in the forefront of your thinking. God did not want that. God is not responsible for that. God tried to get us to avoid that. It was Adam that chose death over life, not God. So he never intended for us to be separate. People all the time are blaming God. I get pretty riled up about it because God gets all this blame that he doesn't. He tried to keep us out of all this. So at least we ought to take the blame. Why should we blame him for all the pain and suffering when he told us not to do it? People say, why didn't God do something about all this evil? Because he'd have to kill you. And he doesn't want to. Well, he'd have to kill you right now and start over. And he's decided not to do that. So let's let God do it. But let's not blame God for the things in this world that hurt us because he's not responsible. And you can't get healed if you think God is your problem. So death was not part of God's original plan. Number two, when you lose someone you love, especially if you're a Christian and you believe in healing and you lose them to sickness and disease, I just have to tell you this. Stop asking why. If God hadn't shown you, if he hadn't revealed it to you and you don't know, then stop asking why. My wife had that experience, as I told you, and she said, I couldn't begin the healing process until I quit asking why. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a why, but, but, but you may not know it this side of heaven. But let me ask you this. Isn't that what faith is? Filling in those blanks? Does our faith work in every area or just certain areas? Can we not give God the benefit of the doubt and say, Father, I don't know why this happened. But I do believe you're a good God, and I believe your word is true. And even though I can't explain this, I know someday I will understand it. And until then, I'm going to believe that you are who you said you were and that your word is true. Can we not give God that? Doesn't, can't our faith work in that level, in that area? Are you with me? Why, why do we have to get so stubborn when it comes to some unanswered question like I can't go forward now because God can't answer that question for me? Well, there's a lot of questions he hasn't answered. Like aliens. <laughs> dinosaurs. You understand? There's so many things out there that God hasn't, and we, we seem to get over that, but did, then we come up with some personal thing and say, until God answers that, I'm not going forward. You, you can't get every answer for every question you want on this side of heaven, but we ought to be able to give God the benefit of the doubt. See, you, know, you know, God's never come down and defended himself. You know, there have been great healing ministers that have died from sickness or tragedy, and God never came to their funeral and said, now, I just want you all to know that I am a healer, but here's what happened. He doesn't throw somebody under the bus to save his own reputation. So there will be things that you will not know, and God will not tell you to try to save your opinion of him. That's supposed to be secured. You're supposed to believe in whom you have not seen and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can't let anything get between you and God. I may not understand it now, but I know God's who he said he was. And I know that God 
uh, is going to, he'll, he'll explain it later. Amen. Boy, that's good teaching. I know, it's 2020. It's time to get going. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, but those which are revealed belong to us and to our children. There are some things He's just not going to tell you. Jeremiah 30.17, He says, I'll restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. Did you know that you don't have to know why you lost somebody to get healed? Did you know that knowing why you lost somebody doesn't bring them back and it won't heal your broken heart? Isn't that good to think about? If you knew every answer to every question on earth, it still wouldn't heal your broken heart. But Jesus can heal it. And you cannot know certain things, and He can still heal it if you let Him. Amen. Here's another point that helped me so much. Number three. <laughs> every every um, testimony we've ever read about somebody who's been to heaven and came back and wrote a book, they all describe undescribable things. They see things in different ways, and they use different terms or whatever, but they all agree on this. They all say... The Lord told me to come back, and I didn't want to. <laughs> when my dad passed away, I thought about that. I thought, he's up there. And if the Lord said, you can go back or stay, he would choose to stay instead of coming back here. I thought, well, I'll be golly, I'm going to. You know what? If he's not going to be broken up over it, I'm not either. <laughs> His attitude is, I'll be here. When he gets here, I'll see him then. But I ain't going back. Your loved ones don't want to come back here. I don't know about you, but that blesses me. Not only do they not want to come back, but they don't want you to spend the rest of your life being sad about something that's made them so happy. Hallelujah. They don't want you to, to, to spend your life grieving over something. That, that has thrilled them and made them so happy. You know, I've never been anywhere I didn't want to leave and go home. I've looked for that place, but no matter what nice places I've visited on earth, there always comes a time when I want to go home. There's something about heaven that we have not grasped. It is so amazing. When you get there, you go, I'm home. I don't, I'm not going back. Everything you've ever known is back there. I don't want to go back there. All your friends and family are back I don't want to go back there. This is where I want to be. Oh, doesn't that bless you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four, you can honor them. And this is important, especially if you've recently lost someone close to you. You can be offended by the things. I've had people get offended at me. Um, over trying to help them get over it. And I think they misinterpret it. I'm not saying you need to get over the person. Forget about them. That's not what we're saying at all. Here's what, you, what we, we want to we phrase it this way. Let's honor their life by celebrating our reunion. And instead of grieving over the past, 
Let's celebrate our reunion. That's one of the things that makes heaven so special is you got so many loved ones there. Hallelujah. And, and we're going to be with them. And we'll catch up and make up time and, and say everything we wish we had said and all that stuff is all going to be taken care of when we get to heaven. Isn't that great? And I'm going to throw this in right before we get to prayer because I believe people need to hear this. You say, well, yeah, that's all great, but I'm not sure where they went. You ever heard that story about that guy who, uh, this might not be a good place to tell a joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway. This guy, they told him his whole life, you're going to love heaven. You're going to love heaven. Heaven's just like Texas. You're going to love, you love Texas. He goes, oh, yeah, I love Texas. Well, heaven is just like, you're going to love heaven. Y'all heard this joke? And so this old guy passes away, and he goes into the great beyond, and he's looking around, and he goes, man, this is not a thing like Texas. I thought heaven was going to be like Texas. They told me heaven was supposed to be like Texas, and this being said, this ain't heaven. <laughs> okay. Put the rocks down. You say, well, I could maybe get over it like you're saying, but I don't know where they went. And that's what I want to talk about. No, you don't know where they went. Don't you assume that somebody didn't make it to heaven because you preached to them their whole life and they never responded. You know, Kenneth Hagin gives his testimony, and he was, by all accounts, dead. His spirit had left his body, and it went to hell three times. On the third time, on the way up, he cried out to Jesus, and God saved him. And he came into his body, and he had been saved. Well, it didn't look like, and he could have very well not have ever come back to his body. What would have happened if he hadn't gone back in? He would have gone straight to heaven. Hallelujah. You don't know what's going on when somebody's in, unconscious. They're hanging between death and life. There's a lot of things going on in there that, that people come to their senses at a time like that. There's no more facade, no more putting on. And if they've been, ha, had good gospel messages preached and seeds sown, I guarantee you there's tons of them that got their heart right with God. They wasted their life on earth, but they're in heaven right now. I think one of the most asked questions in heaven is going to be this one. <gasps> what are you doing here? <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> Listen, God's not looking for a way to send people to hell. That's not the point. You say, well, they live their whole life here for the devil. I don't care. If they turn to Jesus on their deathbed, they will go to heaven. Have you read about those 11th hour laborers? They just barely got in, but they got in. And they got the same reward as those that worked the whole day. And there's a whole class of those people in heaven. Now, they may be in first grade up there in kindergarten trying to catch up. But they made it right with God, maybe in an unconscious state. What this means is you just need to let it go, quit worrying, quit hurting, and allow Jesus to heal your broken heart. And that's our last point. Allow the healer to heal your broken heart. If you keep everything and everybody at arm's distance, 
you'll never be able to get over it. But if you'll open up and say, Jesus, I need what only you can do. He can heal and comfort and, and replace mourning with joy. Amen? Amen. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. Hallelujah. Well, can we get the um, musicians or whoever's going to play? And, and um, let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Psalm 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 30, verses 10 through 12. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Isn't that comforting? Listen, life is a tough place. The world's a tough place to live. People are wounded and, and scratched and scarred all the time. But Jesus can heal. In fact, you, you shouldn't think that you're going to get through life unscathed any more than a child's going to grow up without a cut or a bruise. It just happens. And when it happens, Jesus is there like a caring mother to, to soothe and to... Clean, clean the wound and help it, help the, help you get over it if you'll let him. But getting mad at God is not the right response, is it? We must open our hearts to Him, let His Word and His power touch us and heal us. My wife, when she lost her husband and middle child, she was driving. They were on a vacation and they were all in their van, and she was driving through the night and she went to sleep. And the van went out of control and it flipped down the interstate. She had three children and it threw two of her children out. Or, I mean, one of her children out, I'm sorry. And then her husband and they died. And she was a widow then with two kids and a broken heart, guilt, grief. It almost took her brain. She lost her mind. She almost committed suicide. But, but Jesus came and she allowed Jesus to heal her. And she said, during that time in my life, she said, I went forward for every altar call. I didn't care what they were praying for. I went for more prayer and allowed the power of God to minister to her. And she went to Bible school. They had one in the church and got the word. And boy, she got the word in prayer. She fasted. She spent time every day praying. And Jesus, in four years, healed her broken heart and put her family back together, put her in the ministry. And if he could do that for her, he can do it for you. Amen. Would you stand with me? There's just no need tonight to allow regret or sadness, sorrow, mourning, shame, guilt, oppression, depression, sadness. We don't have to let those things abide in us. We can take authority over our mind and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The long-term solution for this is to feed on the Word of God in these areas. And I gave you a lot of scriptures tonight 
that you can listen to and write them down and quote them. It'll help you. But the short-term solution is I can pray for you and the, the anointing is here to minister to your soul. There's a peace that belongs in your soul, the peace that He gives, not as the world gives, but He purchased it. The chastisement necessary for your peace was upon Him. So it belongs in your soul. And one of the ways that we can enjoy it and obtain it is through, through the laying on of hands. If the power of God can minister to your body, it certainly can minister to your soul. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah.